0: Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am stoked. We're going to get technical. Hopefully, too much. it doesn't go too over my head, but I am joined today by... Ah, this dynamic online personality—they are all about JavaScript, all about technical SEO. Jamie Indigo, technical SEO consultant. I mean, they're—they're they're not a robot, and, and we might we might touch on a little AI stuff, but that's been their jam for a hot minute. As a technical as technical SEO consultant, uh, they study how search engines crawl, render, index the web. Uh, when they're not working, Jamie likes horror movies graphic novels Dungeons and dragons and if you haven't seen them on uh the seo fairy tales on the google search youtube channel with martin split such an awesome episode getting really into like putting on the detective hat and kind of diagnosing what happens when javascript goes wrong thank you for joining me today jamie how you doing
1: I am so excited to be here. This is absolutely delightful. I have watched your for a long time. Always loved it, and we get to be here now and have a really fun nerdy conversation. Thank you.
0: Oh my God, let's let's geek out. I, first, before we even dive into all this JavaScript, I'm a little curious about the origin, the etymology of your website, not a robot. How how did how did that whole like not a bot thing come?
1: I mean, it works for great branding when you're a technical SEO and people are like, what do you do? I'm like, you know, all those capsules you fill out. I'm not a robot, but I speak bot. And um, it actually comes from feedback from uh, when Ashley Berman Hale was my manager the first time. Fantastic. I I would fight for her any given day. Uh, but my first employee review, she was like, you're brilliant, but you need to understand you're also not a robot and it's okay. Like be big, bring that personality. And that was such a core moment. Um, I, yeah, I ended up branding my company after that and have had just so much fun in that space and embracing being 100% human technical SEO.
0: And, and that's one thing that I love about, you know, whenever I see you on Twitter and visible, it's like you, you do have so much personality. You don't hold back. And I think it's so important, especially as we kind of roll into this AI chat, AI LLM, sort of world. But I'm curious from all of your experience in JavaScript and SEO, which is going to be the topic of this episode today, what is the Jamie Indigo philosophy on, on JavaScript when it comes to SEO? What, How do you think about it? How do you approach it big picture?
1: My big picture picture is, hey, if you're out there and you hate JavaScript SEO and you're fighting your dev team because they want to do something JS. of websites are already doing it. You're probably already doing it. JS SEO is just SEO. It's okay. It's scary, but it can be done right. And humans like it. It makes us able to interact with the internet in meaningful ways. People expect that. But hear me out. Maybe it could be a little bit more performant if you didn't ship five megs of tracking pixels. (laughs) Hypothetically.
0: It's Well, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, as as a marketer, like I'm the type of person as a technical SEO that you have to fight because there are so many opportunities to do cool things with Google Tag Manager and getting the scripts in there and that personalization, that that sort of functional interactivity. And that to your point, it's like there is technical debt that comes along with this. So so how do you wrangle in your developers and your marketers to not bloat the heck out of your site and really ultimately hinder your SEO?
1: Hear me out. Go ahead and open your page, inspect, and look in the head. If you have 75 third-party scripts that are firing synchronously before a single thing on your page can load, that's going to hurt. It becomes the junk drawer. It's where we shove everything. So I'm not saying that you can't have it. The entire balance that we bring between marketing and devs is do what matters when it matters. If you're loading a contact form towards the bottom of the page, wonderful. I just want to make sure it's not loading before the hero content, the thing above the fold, the reason people came there. So, you so what are
0: Go on, because I'm curious about that conversation with the marketers and the devs, like how you make that compelling like argument, Mm -hmm. like how do you explain it? Like, how do you talk to them?
1: Okay, you want to implement a new uh, tool on the website. How are you measuring its success? I'm asking you, Garrett, what's your KPI? What are you going to monitor? What are you going to share?
0: Well, obviously it depends on the tool and what you're trying to do. If I'm looking at like using a Facebook ads pixel and trying to, you know, calculate the the conversion rate of a specific ad versus like using Hotjar to, you know, look at my heat map and see how the users are are on my website. I'm going to start to think about what those, you know, objectives of those specific pixels or those tracking codes are are doing.
1: Fantastic. So we settle on a KPI. We agree on one together mm-hmm. as we put it in. We're also going to measure its impact and performance. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, this is super easy. It's plug and play. Just put it directly below the opening head tag. You just tell them not today, Satan. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our content matters first. What the page is about gets in there before any of that third-party stuff. You have your KPIs to measure. Hotjar is a great thing, but you need it on every page. Can we go ahead and control where we're executing it at? Because Heisenberg's principle, once you observe a thing, you change it. And I found when I worked at Moz, we had these A-B testing platform tools. And when I had the control and the variable out, because it was a global tag that was render blocking, hey, that means it was in the head, right below the opening head tag. It was synchronous. It got to go before any of my stuff. That dropped my overall control conversion rate as well, because it negatively impacted that user experience. So yes, please do come observe. But if your observations are at the cost of my conversions, We need to have a conversation about how perhaps we can balance these two. You're going to have less data on the heat map. Sorry about that, buddy. But it's going to not inhibit the conversion rates. Let's balance these two out. Don't pop up a chat bot in front of me. I didn't ask for it.
0: So it's really interesting to me because it's like I love the idea, even being a marketer, that you're challenging The marketers, the devs to have, like, to be organized, to have purpose and intention behind everything that they're doing. And yet we know that a technical SEO doesn't always have, like, that voice at the table to be able to tell a marketer or a dev, no, you can't, yes, you can. So, kind of, what's your approach to? either A, earning that authority, or B, winning the hearts and minds of the marketers and devs to see things your way.
1: I mean, absolutely. It's about winning hearts and minds. It's about Mm. understanding, speaking to them, because chances are they have the same goals. They speak about them in different ways. And if I can understand how to connect my goals with their goals, we have commonalities. We've now mapped our schemas together and we can work together. I don't Mm -hmm. need to tell you that you can't do this, but what I can do is when The devs are in there and they're refining the ticket and they're going, okay, here's my user story. The acceptance criteria is this. I can go, oh, and it needs to be this. This consideration needs to be in play. So by just putting it in there and giving them resources, I'm not blocking them. I'm empowering them.
0: Yeah. No, I I love that sort of like you are aligning yourself. So when you think about it, are you thinking of yourself as a technical SEO to... You position yourself to support your marketers and devs as opposed to getting your own KPIs across the finish line? Or how do you kind of marry marry the two of those agendas?
1: To get my KPIs across the finish line, I can't control everything on the site. Right. But if I act as a support to the teams that are executing and putting things out on the site to make sure they're done in an efficient and effective manner, that's considerate to both humans and bot discoverability, I get my cake and I eat it too.
0: I love that. And so I would imagine you really have to be on top of your own intentions and on top of your own communication to be effective. You can't really leave threats hanging or not know what you're talking about. I guess I'd assume people like expect you to be a leader. Oh, here's my trick. Here's my
1: superpower. I don't believe in dumb questions. I am willing to go, hi, what does that mean? Sorry, can you define this for me? hi, how is this metric defined? What is this dimension built up? And oftentimes just that curiosity can let me refine how I'm phrasing or presenting an idea Mm -hmm. into a way that again, maps with their schema because we all want to do good things. We do the best we can with what we have. We learn better, we do better. So instead of going, no, you can't, you have to put puppeteer in and the devs are like, no, but we have RenderTron already and no, those two are achieving the same thing. There's gaps in our language. And if we take the time to go, I know you're trying. I'm trying to. Let's sit yeah. down. That's really meaningful, especially in a late like, capitalist society where our output defines our value. And if we are simply set to achieve a goal, we often don't consider the human impact, whether it be external users or internal coworkers, and how it affects them.
0: Yeah, emotional intelligence and empathy goes so far and it is very much a skill set to be able to intuit what those are because you know there are lots of different personalities out there and people don't obviously like make it obvious in terms of the real reason that they might be fighting you on a specific ticket or a specific marketing request.
1: The trick is mind the gap between who you are and the role you fill. Mm. Someone can be mad about something you're proposing. That doesn't mean they're mad at you as a human. So if I can differentiate that gap, I can still approach them with a, you know, dignity, respect, and kindness they deserve. And even when I get thrown the opposite of that, there is something punk rock about going, yeah, but I still control how I act and how I behave. And you can throw this at me and I'm still going to choose to look at myself in the mirror and go, no, you chose to be kind. You chose to treat people with dignity and respect and believe it or not, most folks who throw those tantrums eventually throw themselves off the cliff in a tantrum so that they take care of themselves. We'll be good.
0: It it makes so much sense. And and I feel like that, that respect is like you give respect, you get respect. To pivot, I'm curious a little bit about, and this might be the communication aspect, but from your perspective, where do SEOs go wrong with JavaScript? Hey, I
1: love that... Um, you want to get the biggest crawl possible, so you run it without JavaScript. But hear me out. If you ran on your page without JavaScript, that content's not there. So the idea of scale over quality becomes an issue, especially as people enter into the enterprise roles. You're going to see big differences in behavior, especially if this client is generating you know, all the supplementary content, tertiary content client side. If it's entirely client side, what are you even doing? Right. So right. you have to take a stop, I take a pause, do that first little observation. Is what is presented to you in your data set what you expect? What is missing? What is added? And then refine how you approach it. So do the baby ones first, see what results you get, build out from there, because data integrity ultimately is the cornerstone of your success. If you don't have good data, it's going to undermine your decisions.
0: And I I think that what like the thing that stands out to me is like not missing the forest from the trees sort of situation of like, yes, you might get, you know, kind of granular in your specific objective. But to your point, if the content is not served, then then everyone kind of loses in the first place. How do you in that context, then how do you think about investigating and diagnosing when you do have JavaScript uh, SEO issues like what's your mindset and process?
1: Mm. The first thing I want to do is get a view of the landscape. So okay. what is out there and what are we using? And that can mean you know, simply opening up the site and dev tools and seeing what other third-party resources are called. So if I have a third party resource that their script is responsible for generating content on my page in order for me to accurately get a full view of that page, it has to be included when I crawl. Um, I want to look at behavior patterns. Are there multiple CMSs on the site? Are you running, you know a React front end that uses like a PIM system to automatically dynamically generate the results on these pages, and then over here you've got a WordPress site, and over here you've got Marketo or whatever it may be. Those are going to behave differently. So if I just look at the whole site as a big lump, that's kind of meaningless because the behavior patterns are related to the back end and the front end that are playing together. If I can identify the patterns and how they behave, then it becomes more meaningful instead of going. Uh, your your website has terrible LCP, I can go, hey, your Marketo instance has really bad LCP because we're accidentally lazy loading the main image. So let's go ahead and fix that. And when you're able to be specific about what needs to be impacted, you go a lot further than going website broke, please fix.
0: and And that ties back to the data integrity part of things, too. It's like if you have the data to back things up and you can pinpoint where these issues are, then the dev or the marketer will at least have that much more understanding of how you're articulating the problem
1: If I give someone repo steps, if I give them one, two, three, four, here's how you do exactly what I did and see what's broken. They can go, "Oh, it is broken
0: <laughs> right. right. exactly. So what gets you excited? Like what types of JavaScript issues? Do you see and you're like, oh, I can't wait to like unravel that, that ball of yarn.
1: Oh, I have seen some wild rides.
0: <laughs> seen oh. some <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: um, I think my favorite recent one was discovering that, so in between stable major releases of a JS framework or any, any framework, you're gonna have experimental versions. They're not meant to be public-facing. They're where we're working out some bugs. Um, I found a three-year-old version of a highly experimental and buggy version in production for someone's site. And I was like, oh, hey, i got to raise that up to you, bud. Functional. Whoops-a-doodle. Um, that's a strange one. Yeah, but when you get under the hood, you find wild and crazy things. Yeah, It's always fun to be like, did you know about these subdomains? and and that was how I bonded with my OPSEC team when I was at Aero Electronics. I would be like, have you seen this body? It has no security certificate and it takes credit cards. Um, because anytime those are out there, they are security vulnerabilities. I found a Bitcoin mine in one of the
0: once. <laughs> do, you enjoy, do you enjoy that though? Or would you prefer like a more like, not obvious and, and not even boring, but like a more kind of, tedious project as opposed to like the, do you prefer putting on the detective hat and, and having to discover and having to do some elements of trial and error when you're diagnosing issues?
1: Oh, I live for, I live to it. down rabbit holes. If I'm honest with myself, it just yeah. is. That's my happy place is burrow deep in here and going, what's this? Hmm. If you asked me to go ahead and write a bunch of meta descriptions, I would slowly and awkwardly see myself out.
0: <laughs> but to, to that point about rabbit holes, um, you know, one, one of the great things I love about that you've been doing recently on Twitter is you go into the Google Docs and you've been surfacing these insights, whether it's like submitting, you know, your site maps or things like that. Do you, do you spend a lot of time in Google Docs? And like, how do you do you trust them? And how do you kind of look at that in terms of helping your own SEO knowledge mature?
1: I adore them. I am a Lizzie Sassman stan, okay?
0: (laughs) Team Lizzie,
1: all the way. Um, And what I have found out, uh, especially as I followed the robots exclusion protocol from going like, it was a commonly accepted thing, but it wasn't an internet standard. Like we all obeyed robots rules out of politeness, but there was no proper definition of what they were. So there was a two-year process where Lizzie and I believe Gary Elis uh, went through and actually p- wrote the proposal, got it submitted, got it approved by the internet standards, and I got to watch everything change as a result of that. And one of my favorite tools now is actually go look at the internet standards, because oh. if it's not sure, that is, the, that is the sacred tome. That is the source of truth of, here's how canonicals work. Here's how this works. And that I hear to the internet standards, especially as Google has gotten larger and Googlebot is now very much cross-functional in its pipelines for web rendering services and its resource usage, they are all having to fall back and behave by these larger rules. So I'm a huge fan. I find interesting things in there all the time. They've done a phenomenal job rewriting this documentation. And maybe it's, you know, my writing major in me that enjoys finding like little Easter eggs in the early versions. Like in the in the early versions of the troubleshooting JavaScript SEO page, there was a button where you could click to JavaScript, be like use JavaScript to generate a fish on the page. I don't know why. It just made me so happy. <laughs>
0: I didn't even know about that. And I, to the, to your point about the internet standards, I'm ready to start seeing some Jamie tweets coming out with some of those like, uh, gold, gold mine tips as, as you're, you're diving into that. I'm sure there's a ton that you've already found.
1: I already get a glo- lot of glossy eyes on stuff. So mm, uh-huh. maybe once I figure <laughs> out how to make that more digestible. <laughs>
0: That's fair. Well, before before we end, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you in our hyper AI LOM chatbot world with ChatGPT and Bard and big and all these things. What is your kind of perspective on how any of this might ultimately impact JavaScript technical SEO going forward? Do you look at these tools as helpful? Or do you think they're going to complicate things and make them even more messy?
1: When I realized that ChatGPT and other large language models are crawled using Commons Crawler, which is the same thing that, you know, the team behind the Web Almanac used. And we do these great analysis of all of the internet. How is JavaScript used, How big are pages? When I realized they were using that without our consent, I kind of felt betrayed. Mm. Um, like our content is out there and yes creative commons crawls are useful and they are used by many many sources but there's a website out there that i asked that you can actually put your pictures into and go have i been trained because you might have been used in training this model without your consent and a large language model is only as useful and as valid as what's it's, what it's trained on yeah. so if we have People across the internet getting rid of skilled writers using chat GBT instead as a large language model, which is unsupervised is reiterating in its training. is forming an echo chamber and you can corrupt a large language model. So we have a very concerning opportunity to produce misinformation at a large scale. I mean, look at the, the pope in his big fluffy jacket. Everyone thought that was real. That is AI generated and based. And it's concerning to me because Microsoft just laid off one of their AI ethics teams, the whole team, but they've doubled down and they're actually bringing image generation to chat, to Bing chat. So we are hitting an apex where the internet may not be usable for the common person. The level of misinformation, the level of scams out there just the number of security vulnerabilities. We just had these massive tech layoffs because people wanted to get rid of underperformers. I guarantee you that underperformer was actually maintaining a critical library you didn't even know existed. And we've already seen just a couple of weeks ago, massive hacks from the Chinese government stay organized against us because we have these vulnerabilities and we're not paying attention because the goal is to be that late stage capitalist, get the most value out. It is concerning because we are hitting a place where it may no longer be feasible for people to use their phone and Google it and go, oh, I trust that. Yeah. And we have an obligation as SEOs because we've been manipulating the results they see when they pull up their phone and go, oh, yeah, it's this. Yeah. I have a lot of concerns.
0: Yeah, it feels very alarmist. Yeah. Like, like, I don't there's, say alarmist, but ethics issue.
1: it's got to be done.
0: What do you, what do you, cause it does, it does feel alarms, and I don't disagree with you. Cause there are like a bunch of issues there. One, there's the ethics of it. Like, do you, are you abstaining from using any of those tools for the reasons that you let out? And then B, do you like, is it a rabbit out of the hat? Like, are we just in a trajectory at this point that we can't come back from? Or do you oh, think that a there's any? a? Bell. yeah, you think, you think we're, there's no we're... one
1: ringing a bell. Yeah. Yeah. But like if you look at uh, Bard, I mm-hmm. recently posted about this on Twitter. But if you if you ask it the trolley problem, which is a, a basic moral philosophy exercise, where you're in a trolley, the brakes are broken, there's a fork in the track on one rail, there's one person on the other rail, there's five people. Which way do you make it go? If you have to sacrifice? Um, and when I asked Shout GP, or I asked Bard that question, it actually gave me a citation back. So that seems like a positive movement for me because if we don't have sources and citations for what we're talking about, that's why backlinks are so valuable on the internet. And if we look at how Googlebot crawls now, it doesn't go to the front door knock, check the robots.txt and walk on through. It's crawling semantically. It's crawling ideas and concepts. It wants to know that if I'm returning a result for wine and this page doesn't have a vintage on it, then I can't trust that wine. That's important. We don't have that factual, entity-based backbone behind results generated from AI. We have an echo chamber of chaos and a chance to deeply damage our society.
0: Right. Yeah, I think about like social media, and you know, just you know, starting in two thousand eight when the iPhone came out. And yes, there are all these positives around social media, but. Now we're really understanding to your point about how it's damaging society, how entire generations are impacted by social media and probably being
1: sued for multiple genocides.
0: Which is on point, like, you know, internationally all over the world, like that's absolutely the case. But do you so do you think this is worse than that? This is going to be worse than that in terms of the impact of LLMs on society? We're getting deep here. (laughs) We are deep down this conversation. Um, It's really
1: difficult to call anything worse than a genocide. So I'm going to have to sidebar around (laughs) that question.
0: Uh, But I am. Yes.
1: (laughs) hmm? (laughs) I am going to say there, if we don't have conversations about it, if we don't stop and look at, oh, look at the output. I can make it all and go, wait, is this actually beneficial? Is this factual? Is this helping people? It's how we use it. JavaScript and LLMs are the same idea. It's how you use this tool. JavaScript's like a hammer. It's fantastic for hanging a nail, like putting a nail up so you can hang a picture, but don't use it for a pedicure. In the same way, (laughs) these LLMs, why do you think we need eat? We need expertise. Because if it's just the echo chamber and we're already seeing... By the way, chatbots can hallucinate. We're seeing them hallucinate off of each other. We're seeing ChatGPT and Bard hallucinate together, which yeah. fundamentally I guess is the most human thing ever to be asked about something and act like you know what you're talking about. But we have to be aware. We have to have the conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to feel like punk rock dystopia with, uh, with what's coming up with, with all this technology moving so fast. We got deep, and yet that I love geeking out with you. This is this has been fun as hell. Let's let's bring it back and have a little bit right, more right. fun with the uh, the rapid fire rankings. Are you ready for that?
1: Let's go. Let's go.
0: Okay, put it on the music. Put it on the the timer. Okay. Jamie and to go, rank your top three of something that you love. Anything.
1: Okay, top, uh, top three D&D subclasses, Mo- Moon Druid, um, Arcane Trickster Rogue, and, ooh, ooh, mm. Uh, oh, Grave Player, Grave Player.
0: Being D&D, I, ga- I gotta ask you real quick, how do you feel about the movie? Are you pro or against the movie I haven't movie
1: gone out? to see it yet.
0: Okay, I promised but my buddy you... we'd go
1: next weekend, so we're gonna go next weekend. But I'm really excited. excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. I I love, I've been watching Critical Ro- Role for years. I love all of the imagination and chaos that comes with bad roles and fun times. And like, I, I have been trying to abstain from any of the media, but there was one trailer where like the wizard is talking through the details of like, how to get across the Dwarven Bridge and the Paladin just stepped in and I went, oh, uh, I broke
0: it. Let me say for you, that's a, oh my gosh. Okay, you'll have to let me know how you think about it. Okay, rank your best SEO or marketing win. It depends.
1: <laughs> that's such I, a pop out. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna be a human and say my biggest win was I recently got to uh, teach a cohort of five students for the Freelance Coalition of Developing Countries, and that opportunity was my win. That was that, phenomenal.
0: That's awesome. What Chima has done has is, is been incredible. Okay, rank your top three SEO tools. It depends. <laughs> You're, on the, right I, I You're on the right I
1: show. You're on the right show. I love me a good crawler. I love me a good crawler. I love me a good source of truth. So I want uh, some data integrity. I want to know how we're where we're measuring our KPIs at, how it's done, and then uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take one variable one depending on what you want me to achieve. Sound good?
0: <laughs> okay, I, I can work with that. Rank your best SEO trick or tactic.
1: I mean it's talking to people that's my trick here's my trick go to your dev stand up sit in the back don't say anything but just listen to how they work listen to their process and their workflow sometimes we get so in our own heads and how we work that we may not understand that that's not how this team works so how can i be a better ally to them and speak their language there's so much to be said for taking that time that's okay. my
0: trick it's Yeah. No, it's it's so smart. Okay. Rank what you love most about SEO. Does that depend too?
1: I mean, my honest answer is I'm not sure I love it anymore. I love the clever minds that I meet here. I love the brilliant people and the passion and the curiosity that comes in this field. I don't necessarily know that I love anymore. The idea that we, we manipulate reality for people because that pho- their phones are ubiquitous. If you ask someone a question in the break room and they don't know, they're gonna pull out their phone and Google it. And here we are, behind the scenes changing that. So I don't know if I love it anymore, but I love the processes, the mechanics, the pipelines, figuring out all the gears and nuts and bolts. The end result, I'm not sure.
0: I respect that. As a marketer, I feel the same thing from time to time. So I 100% respect that. Um, Okay, so rank your best learning SEO resource.
1: All right, Uh, is it a cop-out to say rich snippets? No. It may not be be for other people, but I have to work so hard every week sitting there and reading through documentation. I'm burrowing down rabbit holes and into patents and everything else. And I learn a lot in that process. So for me, yeah, that's my best resource.
0: I feel you 100% because I do the SEO weekly and the same sort of thing of just like curating and reading articles. And for those who don't know, Rich Snippets is a fantastic SEO email newsletter that Jamie Indigo puts together. It is. So freaking good, and it's funny, and your personality comes through in that as well. So I, I adore it. If you haven't already uh, subscribed to that, do that. And finally, what is another one of the, probably the most unfair question in all of this is, rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most admire, look up to, appreciate one of those verbs. All right,
1: uh, Ian Laurie is the best DM in SEO. He is our dungeon master for like a three year long campaign. I admire and I love him. Ashley Berman Hale has the biggest heart in SEO. Arish has the most moxie and the most, you can, you can try, but I am not backing down in all of this. I can, and they're all human qualities. Like there's something to be said for fantastic. I love your flex. Um, That's a great great shirt you got there. But there's nothing to be said for, you know, those really beautiful candid moments. Like, the first time I met Hamlet Batiste, I was at Tech SEO booth getting coffee and Python came up randomly and I mentioned a lamentation I had about linking libraries. And I was like, oh yeah, you can fix it this way. It's those moments of just being human and someone just blowing your mind and changing your perspective in the most understated way.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I love that. and and it's funny you mentioned Hamlet. I was just thinking about him the other day because I was listening to uh, a video from Nick Wilson talking about the edge. and I was like, when I think of the edge, synonymous yeah. with Hamlet, you know so absolutely. S- people with impact. Okay. And finally, really important one. rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote.,
1: oh, that is actually one of the hardest ones. So hear me out. do you do you have charity fatigue yet? Are you just a little bit exhausted because someone else had to spruce sh- up their GoFundMe to be able to afford a kidney transplant? Or there's another atrocity that happened? Um, I understand, so the charity I want to promote and give some love to you right now is really simple and I hope there's one in your neighborhood. It's called Free Little Library. You set up these little boxes and people put books in and take books. Um, there's something to be said for being part of your community and starting there. So the world is big in chaos. and We can't control things across the world or even across our state or our country, but that little step, books go so far. They're, they go a long way, so go find one. You know, Grab a book, maybe you've got some books you're done reading, go throw them in there. Especially if they're ones that have a big impact on you. Because now they can have a big impact on someone else and that's just beautiful and it's right there.
0: I'm inspired. I, there's one right by this pool that's down the street from me. And so I feel like right after this, I'm going to go out and and go and switch it off. It's such a, it's such a good cause. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for being my guest. This has been an amazing, winding, raveling conversation about JavaScript <laughs> and morality and humankind and not being a robot. If someone wants to find you online, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Oh, I am on those Twitters right now. Uh, I tried to get away, but honestly, it's quite hard. Uh, something unfortunate to say. The first, but that wasn't the point. Hey, jammer underscore vaults. You can also find me over on Mastodon with that same handle. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm probably in your feed. Look for the blue hair. That's me. Actually, that's not true. There there were two other folks at Brighton with bright blue hair. And one of my friends like ran to hug me. And then last minute realized it wasn't me and had to duck and dive but, you know, maybe check. Maybe it's me. Mm.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Thank you so much again for being my guest. I, I really do appreciate it.
1: It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank
0: you, Garrett. My name is Garrett Sussman of I Pull Rank. This has been another episode of the Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. Peace out.